Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally. And on today's show, we're going to recap the Dutch Grand Prix. Uh, and we're going to ask, is this a race of the year candidate? We'll also ask, which team won the strategy battle? And is Checo's fate sealed for 2024? And of course, what you all are waiting for, who had the best of the worst predictions? <laughs> Someone else might be waiting for that. I I will gladly skip that segment, if at all possible. Definitely. So, Steve, you know, this was an entertaining race, for sure. I think uh, the most entertaining of the year. Definitely. Um, definitely brought some of that uh, qualifying excitement to the actual main Grand Prix, right? But And this this weekend Saturday qualifying was exciting also. Once again, Saturday brought it. But this is one of those things. So I think if you remember me talking, and I think we talked about this a little bit, what would it take for Verstappen to lose? <laughs> it needed to have a weird qualifying. It needed to have some weird situations that happened. It needed to have rain. It needed to have so many things. And I don't know if it didn't have enough this time or if this was what it was and I'm just like, Verstappen's never going to lose. I don't know how to take this. You know? Because this race had everything. It feels like a Stefan skit from SNL. I was Um, going, oh man, you were on the same wavelength as me. It's like, this race has everything. (laughs) I gotta cover my hands so I don't laugh. Or cover my face with my hands so I don't laugh. Um... Actually, uh, my wife bought me a shirt uh, that's got all of that on it for Christmas a few years ago. But because um, <laughs> really, I, like aside from a meteor strike, what what else did this race lack to stop Max from winning? Right. It had a uh, it had a favorable official call for a Red Bull team. Uh, it had um, multiple. Uh, crashes it had rain it had almost i think at some point everyone in this race used all of the tires right it's just like well yeah every tire every tire was used by one driver or another uh that you could possibly use we got a straight Um, flush straight flush so and i mean like uh qualifying was interesting six different teams in the six in the six top spots um and an interesting podium, um, and you know, just some strange days all around. You like some nice performances by some, some questionable performances by others. Uh, really, it just was an all-around entertaining race, but still had the same outcome we've had for the last eight races uh, before it, which was Max winning somewhat comfortably. Yeah, you know, and and we can certainly touch on the Max stuff more not not that we haven't beaten that dutch horse to death but uh you know i i think we got pretty lucky with this race we we kind of got everything timed right how we would like script it out if we wanted an exciting race because the rain hit on the very first lap and we've seen it a handful of times this year where we get a delayed race start because weather comes in and we don't start the race on time. And then it rains and now we have a wet track and now we have to have a wet weather start. And it, it like it, it really takes 
the air out of the situation, like sucks the air out of it. And you don't get the proper start. And we were one lap. We were three to four minutes away from the marshals and the stewards essentially saying we need to hold the race start. But they got off the start, lights out, first lap, then it was a downpour. Everyone had to come in. Uh, some people didn't come in and made really bad decisions. Some people braved it out without ever getting on the wet tires. And we had a bunch of excitement. We had, uh, you know, Guan Yu Zhou was up there in second place for a while. Checo was leading by 14 seconds. Just the kind of craziness you want to see. Then it kind of leveled out again. Uh, we still had really good racing, but we got, you know, a couple of those DRS trains where people were kind of stuck in position. But then right when you'd want the rain to hit again, right in the last 10 laps or so on a dry track, and it wasn't, you know, oh, it's slowly trickling in. It started dumping down rain, uh, essentially going from zero to 100, full wet weather. Uh, giving everyone a chance to, you know, uh, see how they'd have to tackle the changing conditions was, you know, kind of really what we want to see. We want to see the drivers push to the limit and push to the test. And we got to see it on both ends of the race. Yeah. And, you know, this is interesting to me. Um, and it might transition us to, you know, our next point. Uh, but you know, we probably should break down a little bit more, but this reminds me again, this is Ryan's American sports analogy of the week. We talk about this in basketball a lot and some of it, uh, Eric Spolstra, who's a Miami heat, uh, coach, a very well-respected coach. Some people always question about like his in-game strategy. Um, and we see this sometimes too in football too. You talk about, can you change at halftime if you're having bad things happen? Are, are you flexible in game? And this is what I kind of saw this race. Uh, everyone had a plan until they got punched in the face and the punch in the face was rain. And some teams make great decisions, manage their race very well on the fly, flexible, we're processing the rain, processing what they were seeing, processing the strategy. Others were slow and it costs them, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at uh, just a, a few things and I don't want to get too off the rails because I think this is something we'll discuss a little bit more. But it, it's just very interesting looking at where people's pit stops went on this Pirelli chart. And uh, it can kind of tell you the way the race went. But for, for me, this was so interesting. I mean, again, there's so many things we even haven't mentioned about how this race went. That's just a little bit of everything. You you had a podium finish that wasn't done until the penalties were handed out in this race as well. You had um, uh, some kind of spectacular crashes in the rain. You have uh, a driver on the track for the first time ever in an F1 car in a hell of a race like this. And Liam Lawson filling in for Danny Ricardo, and did a hell of a job. I mean, you're getting in a car really not designed for you on the fly in this weekend, and he ends up what thirteenth, uh, I think, on the on the grid. Yep. That's I'm, not I'm half bad. Had one competitive session, which was you know qualifying, 
and they're right into the literal gauntlet. Uh, you know, track you're not familiar with, rain, dry, rain, red flag, more rain, you know, sprint finish. Uh, there wasn't a condition that, or, you know, there wasn't a condition he didn't face in his first time out. So quite a way to kind of get your first experience. Uh, but, you know, t- talking about some people getting like punched in the face and not having a plan for it. Like, like it's, it's one thing to get punched and be disoriented. It's another thing to look out the window and see rain and not think, should we maybe put on wet tires? Because I, some of the some of the people just did not have the awareness that I thought they would have. You know, start with Ferrari. Their drivers out there saying he's going to come in and box because we need to change tires. They they can see that it's raining. Why wouldn't you have you had everything ready for the pit stop? The whole team was ready. The guns were ready. Except for the tires. Leclerc shows up in the pits, ready to get on intermediates, nice and early to take advantage of stopping early while other people are still going, and his team completely lets him down. And he's sitting there for 15 seconds, watching his you know position tumble down the chart. And it was just like, what else would you expect from Ferrari? Uh, you know, and then you know we have Mercedes and McLaren who were just stubborn and I guess they had the exact same weather forecast that they were looking at that like oh the rain was going to be short and it's not going to be that bad but so they they left Hamilton and Russell on the slick tires longer Piastri never went to wet tires until lap 60 and Norris did eventually come in but you know a, a lap or two later than everyone else but it was like Nobody was paying attention to the lap times that Checo was doing. And on one lap of the intermediates, he had more than made up a whole pit stop. So he had one team wholly unprepared for the situation. And then a couple other teams just being absolutely uh, stubborn on what would have been the obvious strategy for anybody sitting at home and watching. Yeah, and, you know, I, he goes, I guess let's pivot to strategy here because I'm, I'm looking at some things here. Well... They start Lewis on the mediums, right? And he's the only car that starts on anything other than softs. Yeah, and he he had said, like, you know, I I did want to be, like, opposite strategy to a couple people at the start. I just didn't want to be the only one on this strategy. And that's the thing. Not even was it opposite, but apparently the mediums were so hard to guess at and they were just inconsistent in delivery and everyone said that throughout the race so it's a bad choice and i don't know no going into the race they had that knowledge uh where they were like ah you know and i know the strategy is that lewis will go long and see if he can stretch his tires possibly and then figure out a way to move up but i just don't like it there and Especially when you know rain's coming, you know you have to. You're gonna have to pivot anyway, right? So you know you're gonna have to pivot soon. Why even bother with a medium tire? You know that's the thing. If you know rain's coming, and you know that there might be rain at the start of the race, and you might have to come in within the first, I don't know, seven, ten laps, depending on when rain comes in. Why not just go with the soft? So to me, 
that was already bad. And then you see when people come in. Lewis coming in at three, Norris coming in at three, Lance coming in at four laps, Russell coming in at four laps. It's like, what's going on here? You know, like, why is that the choice? And I know, you know, someone like Alex didn't come in for the first time until lap 44. And we talked about Piastri. Yeah, I, I think for, for them that was like they, they painted themselves in a corner that they had no choice but to, to see it out. Like, okay, the, the field spread had gotten long enough that they may not have been under any more threat of dropping more places and that they would make up the pit stop time as it dried out. Um, I, I will say, like, I understand Alex's, right? You know, let's let's try to... You know, we've qualified high enough. Let's see if we can ride it out. See if we can make take advantage of this. I don't understand Piastri. I, you know, the performance is in the car, and I, I just feel like that was poor. And they were just, and it's, you know, they don't do it with him. They're slow um, on Lando too in lap three, uh, and then like Mercedes with Russell on four. I think they were just trying to grin and bear it, but he was losing so many spaces that that he he had to come in. Yeah, the the thing with them, so you know, Russell had started ahead of Lewis because Lewis had again a little bit of poor team strategy in qualifying, then stuck in traffic where he got impeded and Sonoda ended up getting a penalty there. He also got a penalty in the race yesterday, so Sonoda had just been picking up penalties all weekend. But you know, George was in front, so he came around first and when I saw him go by the pits I thought for sure they were going to call Lewis in because a lot of the time in this situation like all right let's let's split strategies because it's wet we'll put somebody on inters we'll put the car behind on inters and see what lap times are doing on the outlap and then we'll still have time to call in our other driver and then they didn't call in Lewis I'm like what it's visibly, visibly starting to puddle up, and I cannot imagine why they couldn't have pulled the trigger. Lewis would have ended up, you know, with Guan Yu Zhou being in second place, if they pitted him in first, I think 100% Lewis would have easily gotten a podium. He said he would have challenged for the win. I don't know about that, but I don't think he would have fallen out of the top three. No, that's hard to say. I don't know about the win, but I think he's definitely podium him at that point, especially with Checo's mistake. But this is the thing. Gasly strategy, spot on. I mean, yep. excellent, right? Um, what a hell of a race he drove. And it seems like what's funny with Gasly is everything lines up. He seems to drive faster. That car magically gets faster. Like, I, I think Gasly is such a confidence kind of driver that if he feels everything's clicking, he's as good as anybody. Well, obviously. well, that's the thing. Uh, they kind of went over the you know performance stats of the race, uh, like uh, of you know everybody's actual pace. Uh, he wasn't that fast. Like he was kind of middle of the pack with his pace. It was just his driving kind of outperformed the car on Sunday. He made some you know pretty impressive dive bombs uh on on you know a dry track and a wet track he kept it clean he defended well and it was really a reward for his 
driving ability yesterday that got him on the podium much more so than the pace of the car. For sure. I think when he trusts his car, like he knows exactly what his car is going to do, not that it's fast, he unlocks his driving ability. And it just doesn't seem to be as consistent for him in the cars he's been in. But I really do like Pierre as a driver. I always have. Um, And I root for him when he gets up on the podium and he has a good day. Yep. Uh, So he, he was a new podium finisher for the year, which brings our total to nine different podium finishers this year. And good to see Fernando get back on the podium. Um, But I would say we have to talk about Red Bull, which is funny, uh, strategy-wise, right? Um, They won. But once again with Checo, it's very weird. At some point in this race, Checo was first, right? Had a nice lead. Um, You theoretically favor the driver who's in first. But they made a call to bring him in. Um, or to bring in Max first. Well, to, I mean, so like to bring him in after his partner and essentially gave Verstappen the undercut, right? And now it's okay if that happens, right? If the driver initiates the strategy, you go with the driver. If Max says, I want to undercut and the team goes with it, that's fine. But when it's initiated, it appears from the paddock and uh, the team managers then it starts to look a little sketchy. And there's a lot of excuses that we heard Red Bull say. None of that passed muster with me, Steve. No, I mean, the the problems on Sunday started on Saturday. Uh, Checo qualified seventh. And there were five other teams that qualified in front of him. He got out-qualified by an Aston Martin, an Alpine, uh, I'm sorry, he got out-qualified by a McLaren, a Mercedes, a Williams, an Aston Martin, and a Ferrari. I You cannot be in that car and be out-qualified by Alex Albon in a Williams. I love Alex. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out now that he's going to get a podium in Italy. I just, I, I firmly believe that. Uh, but if you're in that Red Bull car, you can't qualify behind a Williams and almost a second and a half behind your teammate on a dry track. You know, it wasn't a wet Q3. It was dry, and he was over a second behind his teammate. So he started off seventh. The only thing that saved him was pitting a lap earlier when it got wet, and that saw him out into the lead. But then once Max got on the inters, he was driving two to three seconds a lap faster. And then when they got to that uh, crossover period from wet to dry... They called in Max, and, you know, Checo was sitting there, comes out after his pit stop and sees, you know, Max's gearbox in front of him. He's like, what happened? Did Max undercut us? He had no idea what was going on, and to his surprise and chagrin, didn't get preferential treatment. And, I, I like you said, the, the excuses don't pass muster. Like, oh, well, that was to make sure we stayed one and two. If we pitted Max second, we would have been one and four. But you don't do that strategy if Max is winning, right? Right. And also, you know, not that, but also when he gets pulled in uh, when they red flag. That was a bit questionable to bring him into the pits at that point um, for me. And it just seemed very, very odd. And it set him up for failure. And... A five-second penalty uh, comes, you know, it's just like mistakes kind of compound, especially 
unforced errors which are not even on the driver it's on the team and you don't wonder if it's not unforced errors but it's actual strategy for the other driver well yeah i mean and, that that was like a, a double triple kind of compound situation because you know it, it the rain started coming down it got heavy so it was let's go to the extreme wet tires they call them in with the chance of a red flag happening because when it's that bad it could have red flag but call them in anyway he comes in he speeds into the pit lane so now he's picked up a five second penalty for speeding and he hit the wall on the way in and damaged the car now because it was under an eventual red flag they were able to spend the time to fix it but if no red flag came out he would have gone out in a damaged car with a five second penalty for speeding um, right, and you know that that red flag proved to be favorable for Checo in many ways. Oh well, uh, yeah, the the whole it, getting bailed out is a whole other thing. Right, and look, I understand. I believe the rule was adjudicated correctly. It just doesn't seem fair sometimes because um, someone made a someone made an error. Because that because what you hate to see is that Red Bull and or Checo made a mistake coming in, and they really botched it. You know, clipping the wall and everything like that. And then they get kind of bailed out. They should have been sixth, um, theoretically, at that point. And then they get bailed out, and they're allowed to get back on the track, what, in, like, fourth, in, I in, think? In third. Third, yeah. So yeah. It, it goes, it, it, So that's crazy. You know, had the red flag not come out, he would have had that damage that he would have had to fix, uh, you know, under Well, not, not fix, have, have to live with, because... We'll have to know, live it, right. Yeah, yeah that's... It, that, it, that, 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 yeah, at that because point, it was on the rear the of the car. That, yeah, uh, and, and so uh, you get that, but you also, you know, you get put back on the, the the track a little bit better. And again, so just just different things in this race. The the no standing start uh, when they restart kind of sucks the wind out of some more fun that this could have been and some changing. It's a lot of favorable things here, right? And look, some yeah. of them I understand are in the favor of safety, but it wasn't the most dangerous conditions. At and, that point, yeah. Right, and we're talking about competitiveness. And any other time, F1 has seemed to err on the side of <laughs> a competitive and fun race, and we know exactly what I'm talking about here. Oh, well, now and, we don't want to make it entertaining. Right. So you're like, okay, uh, we don't want to botch Max's day by having someone crash into him by mistake or him getting into some water. But uh, this is just it, frustrating, you know, all the way around when I just see that officiating change from track to track. And I'm not saying Rebel's getting, like, overly favorable. I think they got some favorable calls. They just happened to be the car that got the most favor. It's just... I yeah. think most, it's not. I think you could have put any car in it. It could have been Alonzo, and he would have also benefited from it. Um, it's but, just when you run at the front, it seems like all the brakes go your way. So it's just another like, oh, of course, Red Bull's going to get a little bit extra breathing room. Like it, it just kind of manifests itself that way now. Right. So, but, you know, speaking yeah, did, of Red Bull. Well, just just to finish up on on Checo uh, before we move on. Um. You know, it, an up and down weekend again. You know, di, you you would hope that, you know, being the first race out of the break, he's going to come out kind of like reinvigor- reinvigorated, recharged, um, drive like his seat's kind of on the line. And Saturday wasn't there, had it for portions on Sunday, but he's still, 
you know, makes the mistake of speeding. He still is going off on turn one. Um, and you know, yeah, a lot of people went off in turn one. People were sliding all over the place, but I mean, he, he did too, which, you know, doesn't help the fact. And now because Liam Lawson had such a great debut race and, you know, unfortunately Daniel's not going to be back in time for next week in Italy. Liam Lawson's going to have second start under his belt. Now there's essentially two suitors for that seat within the team. Uh, because you know Liam will get a couple of shots out of here. Danny will come back. He'll continue to, uh, you know, hopefully have some good showings. And then you know Checo's going to have uneven performances. Already tension between a team that's not giving him, you know, the right treatment when he's leading, and two guys who could swoop in, in the team. So I I I just don't really see the scenario where in 2024, it's Checo on the other side of the garage is Max. No, and I can understand that. The thing is, Liam's going to have to have a really good, like, cup of coffee here. Because, Understood. No, I mean, it's nothing... I, I think he's very talented. I think it's abundantly clear. Uh, you know, a lot of people have talked about this young man is, in other circumstances, would already been on the grid. Well, a, a lot but, of people said he should have got the shot over Danny to begin with. That was a lot of people's opinion. Well, and that's fair, and it goes. But I understand why Danny's there. Danny has got a bit more of a pedigree, and I'll tell you this: that this is kind of to my point. Why I think he needs to have an extreme good cup of coffee. You have to believe that he can handle the load. It's incredibly tough at Red Bull. We've seen it eat up some very young driver, good good young drivers that we like. Uh, it ate up Albin. It ate up Gasly. Right. Um, which is why I think their preference to pair with Max, especially right now, is a veteran driver. So I think they would rather have Danny, barring somebody else coming free on this uh, on on this grid, that they would like to slide in instead. That's why I, th- I just think they like. That's why Checo has been able to stay there. They like a veteran driver who is competent and has a track record uh, with with Max. Um, and I think a young gun might be trying to prove themselves, make mistakes. They're they're a little novice and they don't want that costing any strategy for for Max, right? They need Red Bull to be strong and they know Max has benefited heavily from some help. We know Checo has helped deliver Max championships. That's why he's there. Right. So I, just, I, I bring up Leon from the perspective of Checo seeing another capable. Oh, for driver. sure. There is definitely yeah. another. There's there's more than one person who could take his seat. I just think that you know, Liam at this point is competing for the Alfatari seat, um, and I think Yuki should look over his shoulder too at this point. Um, well, uh, I, I mean, Yuki's been a, a plus driver in that car for the majority of the year. It just he was wildly inconsistent this weekend and, and it was a shame because he looked pretty strong in, in practice leading up to qualifying and ultimately didn't make it out of Q2 uh, but it, you know it's not a fast car um, but I, I think he just had a couple of you know bonehead mistakes in the in the process which you know unfortunately has kind of been in his resume it just depends on how you look at it it does appear like Danny is gunning for 2025 this is this is not trying to take anybody's job this getting this is getting to the end of contracts and things like that and Danny thinking that 
he has to maybe do a year in the AlphaTauri, um, a full year. And so that's why I say Yuki, because if that's okay. the case, it's it's Checo one more year at Red Bull. It's Danny for a full year while he waits and, and waiting for, for Red Bull. And, and potentially then, Liam Lawson. Yeah, and then so like Liam is going to be waiting. Uh, if they want to get him on the grid, they're going to have to swap out Yuki. Um, unless uh, otherwise they're waiting until everyone moves around and then maybe Liam gets a shot in 2025. But I think if he puts together another race like he did or better in Italy and maybe gets another shot to do the same, if he's hanging around points uh, under these conditions, you got to give that kid a shot next year. You can't, you can't wait two more years on him. I know he's young, but uh, young talent shouldn't have to wait till they're 23, 24 to get a shot. We've seen very, very talented young guys on this grid, Max being one of them, get their shot and run with it. If you think a guy's talented, give him a shot, put him in a car. Right. That's what, you know, that, that was our argument, you know, last week when it came to Haas, like, you know, no, nothing against it's somewhat quasi dependable drivers in Hulkenberg and Magnuson, but you know, the mid 35 year old guys or, or mid 30 year old drivers with one podium between them in, you know, almost 400 race starts. It's like, ah, you know, I, I think there, there might be another way. Right. I'm but, not pushing yeah. anyone off the grid. I mean, Hulk and Magnuson just haven't had the performance. You can maybe even say Valtteri at this point. Although he's I, I mean, this year, you could definitely say it. Um, and, like, you know, if that's the kind of quality you're going to get out of it, I mean, Alfa Romeo may just be happy with that. Um, but if you're a guy like Alonzo and you're putting up podiums and you're in 40s, I'm not going to push that guy out of the track. But, I mean, like, that's kind of what you got to be at this point. You're blocking a young driver who will have a long career in F1, some of which may be championship years. It just sucks, and, and we see so many young guys miss their window sometimes. Yeah, I mean, c- clearly Fernando and Lewis, who, who's you know also 38, are uh, you know outliers for, for performance at this age. I mean, you know, Seb didn't even stick around to, to be you know, that age in driving and he wasn't exactly spectacular in his last season. So once you get over 35, it's a very small group of guys who can really make it worth having them under contract. I agree. All right. So how bad were our predictions? Well, uh, if by bad, you mean good or at least, uh, you know, I, I I think definitely more in the ballpark than we've been in previous weeks. Uh, we'll start off with yours since you were, you know, more on the money than I was. Uh, you had a British driver podium. Yeah, I was very wrong on that one. Well, in a sense... Some of, it's, some of it's bad strategy, some of it's bad luck. Like, uh, if you're going you know. by the results, yes, you were wrong. <laughs> But if, if I'm going, if I'm going by what happened, yes, I was yeah. wrong. Yes. But if if you could imagine a scenario in your head in which other things happened, I mean, you might be able to get an imaginary point. Yeah. Um, yeah, clearly, two British drivers were definitely in the position to do it, and team strategy definitely didn't work out in their favor. And George and Lewis and Lando. Started in a podium position, and his team strategy was also, eh, it's not that wet. So, sorry, no points on that one. You did have Alex getting points, which he did, uh, finishing a strong eighth. 
and he did a mega stint on the soft tires uh, again which seems to be his MO just let me run a one tire forever tire whisperer 2.0 yeah uh, and third you had Lance getting no points which he almost screwed <laughs> me this week I mean it, it almost he almost ended up snatching victory from the jaws of defeat or you know just backing his way into points the way the Dolphins would back into the playoffs mm-hmm so two points for you on no points for Stroll. Um, I had a Lewis podium. Obviously didn't happen, which, you know, what that would have given you a clean sweep if that one came true for me. Uh, I also had Lando getting pole, and I was so desperately close to that happening. Uh, he ended up qualifying second. Freaking Max. <sighs> Always Max. He steals fun on qualifying. He does steal fun. Just... He's, he's a fun thief. Uh, but my third prediction, which was correct, was that there'd be three DNFs. And thank you, Logan. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Joe Guan Yu. Appreciate your hard work. Uh, I, I predicted on Thursday when we talked about it that uh, the break plus this track plus weather, you know, would ultimately give us more DNFs and. I mean, through the weekend, we had multiple red flags in practice. Fortunately, one of them was for Danny breaking his wrist. Uh, We had red flags in qualifying, people just continuously going off the track, plenty of wet weather. Um, But, I mean, we we got decently far in the race with only one DNF, and I was was worried. Um, But then all reliable Ferrari showed up. Yeah, and what's funny is, like, I feel like George is low key a DNF, right? And he just well, his... I mean, I mean, yeah, he had a puncture, but he did come in, change his tires, and go back out to finish. Right, and so like you know, uh, he could have, you know, and uh, Checo could have been, depending on how bad his damage was, if had he had to keep it. Yeah, without right? red flag. Yeah. So you know it. And, you know, we saw Lewis go off the track, although it looked like he was aware he might go off of it. It was a lot going on, and Plen- it could have been worse. Yeah, right? plenty of people spent time in the gravel. Uh, so, it, in, in those conditions, with everyone, you know, risking strategy, it could have ended up any number of ways. But I had the lucky number, at least, to pick up one point. Correct. And that's good. I mean, and then we're... We're on to the next one. It's nice to have some races in a row here after having many weeks of none. Uh, so we will hopefully see some of these guys get back on the schneid. We'll see some of these guys uh, maybe rise to the occasion. Uh, and we'll get to see a little bit more of some of these emerging storylines like Liam Lawson and um, and maybe see if Checo can continue his string of I don't want this job anymore. <laughs> well, uh, you know, certainly I'll be looking forward to, you know, what the Williams can do. Uh, you know, Logan did, unfortunately, DNF. Uh, he got into Q3 for the first time, which is the first time a U.S. driver got into Q3 in 30 years. So, uh, or, or at least qualifying in the top 10. They didn't always have Q3 as a format, but qualifying in the top 10 first time in 30 years. And unfortunate that I would say that 
Logan's DNF had nothing to do with his driving. Yeah, so. he did have a loss of hydraulic pressure, which without hydraulics you can't steer the car. Uh, so that was, you know, his resulting DNF. So not not entirely on him. So nice to see what he can do at a track that should be very strong for Williams. Um, like you said, uh, Checo, what's he going to do? Uh, I don't think... I, I think he only has one podium at Monza, and that came in maybe his second year, and he really hasn't finished any higher than fifth every other Italian Grand Prix he's been in. So not exactly the strongest track for him, but in that car there shouldn't be any reason why he can't finish at least second. Um, Want to see if Lewis and Mercedes can pull their heads out of their behind to get some strategy calls correct. Maybe some shorter pit stops. But maybe I'm asking for too much. Maybe. Uh, At this point, though, we'll cross our fingers. We'll join you later in the week, but we'll call this one a wrap. So for the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 podcast, I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally, and we'll catch you next time across the line.